Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Hi there, it's Laura Wasser. And if anyone knows how much divorce sucks, it's me. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces. Creating peace in families is how I lost my voice. From the top of the food chain all the way down to my very first case, which was my own divorce when I was 25. I wrote the book on divorce, or I wrote a book on divorce. It's called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way, How to Divorce Without Destroying Your Family or Bankrupting Yourself. That book became a bestseller because it presented another option for ending a marriage, one that doesn't necessarily include lawyers and one that leaves more money in both parties' bank accounts and less animosity in their hearts. We created It's Over Easy, the one-stop breakup divorce resource online with the same principles in mind. So welcome to the Divorce Sucks podcast, where we talk about breaking up, getting divorced, and moving on. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Divorce Sex Podcast. This is the Sunny Side Up Report, and I'm Laura Wasser. I'm Johnny Rains. Hey there, everybody. What was that? That's my, uh, Johnny Rains is from, from the Midwest Texas. all of a sudden. No, wasn't that a southern accent? <laughs> so the Sunny Side Up Report is where Johnny yes. and I go through things that we found on the internet and the news on television over the past week that regard divorce, marriage, relationships, etc. A lot of which you can find on our Facebook page at It's Over Easy. Yes, if there's articles that we mention you want to check out, go there because you'll find the whole article there. Um one, my one I wanted to start with is from um, this past Sunday's New York Times, The Vows section. I just think this is so interesting. It's The title is Missing from Their Honeymoon, hmm. Each Other. It's by Danielle Braff, and people call them unimoons um, or separate honeymoons, where the couple takes a separate honeymoon vacation after their wedding ceremony. Wow, how does that uh, bode for the future of their marriage? Well, that's what people say. I mean, they're saying that the, some some people are saying that it really isn't a good idea because it sets the stage for you know not. A I great would agree with that. Okay, and one of the um, people that was interviewed on this is a research fellow at the Kinsey Institute, Dr. Hmm. Helen Fisher. But she said that it's a big mistake because when couples take vacations together, they can trigger all three brain systems: romantic love, which stimulates your dopamine system, yes. feelings of deep attachment, orgasm boosts your oxytocin levels, which are linked with attachment, and sex drive. So if you don't have that on your honeymoon because you're alone, alone. or if yeah. you're having it with somebody else, <laughs> that could be a problem. However, there are some other people there saying that it's very individualistic mm. and it's a modern practice of efficiency over everything else. And if you've saved up and this is something that's important to you and you want to take a vacation as kind of a post-ceremony reward to yourself. Okay. You should take the vacation you want to take. Yeah, so a we'll unimoon. See. A unimoon. Well, next we've got uh, news from reality television. Bethany Frankel, um, the, apparently she's uh, trying to get primary custody of her daughter. Um, but I, I wonder if she's going to be successful at that. Well, this was written by Samantha Wilson and Sarah Jones on HollywoodLife.com. And they speak with Raul Felder, who is not either party's lawyer, just somebody that's been doing this a very long time, about why it may not be possible right. for Bethany's accusations against her ex-husband, Jason, to tip the scales in favor of his gaining custody. 
And they also talk about what would happen if she had full custody of their daughter and what that would look like. Um, it, I have to admit, from what I've read in this article, it yeah. seems like an uphill battle. I agree with Raul Felder that I don't think she's got enough for a change of circumstances here. Apparently, he, the the her ex, uh, this guy Jason Hoppy. I guess mistreated their dog and like pulled the kid's arm in public. I mean, is that enough for Bethany or anybody to get full custody? Uh, generally, no. Right. Generally, yeah. no. And as I have said in the past, I really do think that most judicial officers right. want kids to be able to experience time with both of their that parents. That makes sense. Yeah. Jason and Wendy Flom are still not divorced. This is by our friend Richard Johnson at page six. Now, who who is Jason Flom? He is a music mogul. He signed Lord. He signed Kid Ah. Rock. And for some reason, this case just won't end. Um, He's taken it up on appeal. I believe he feels that the court gave his wife... um, $26,000 a month in maintenance for six years and $4,250 a month in child support. Well, and on Thursday, the Court of Appeals ruled that she's entitled to a 50-50 split of their, I guess it is, $30 million in marital assets. Wow. Yeah. I should have gone into music. Clearly, I went in the wrong profession. And evidently, the last word, lawyer Susan Chana Lask told the reporter, it's not over. Post-trial proceedings are pending right now for clarifications of million dollars of property. Further appeals are forthcoming. Lawyers for Jason argued that Wendy never cooked a meal, dusted a table, or mopped a floor, but the appellate court ruled there was no basis to reduce equitable distribution merely because the parties chose to hire domestic help. So, again, who is winning here? I mean... The lawyers. Yeah, the lawyers. And also, by the way, isn't it like a no-fault state where it doesn't matter if she cooked or cleaned or whatever? Yes, that is true. See what I've learned? I know. Yeah. You're getting good. Thanks. Our friend Jen Mann contributed something to InStyle last week. It is called Why So Many Millennial Women Are Asking for Prenups. Yes. Uh, regarding prenuptial agreements, they're becoming as popular as selfies and avocado toast for millennials, she writes. According to a survey of the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers, 50% of attorneys report an increase in millennials requesting prenups. It's a generation plagued by financial and job insecurity, so reaching for this kind of guarantee sort of makes sense. Um, According to celebrity divorce attorney Laura Wasser and creator of It's Over Easy, a do-it-yourself online platform, there is actually nothing more romantic or loving or trusting than the ability to be honest and communicate about the expectations each party has when entering into a marriage. So as you often say, having those difficult discussions, whether you go as far as having a prenuptial agreement or not, is critical to a successful marriage. Absolutely. And again, I did. I had forgotten that I spoke to Jen about this article, but I really (laughs) like it. I think it came out well. well. Obviously. Yes. (laughs) Let's just talk a little bit about Gwyneth Paltrow opening up about the conscious uncoupling that was in The Independent. It's written by Katie O'Malley. She talks about some of the backlash that she faced for using the term conscious uncoupling. It's interesting. She goes on to talk about the way she felt at the time that she said it, where she was so concerned about how her kids would experience this whole situation and she also was was you know interested in doing it differently than than the divorces that she'd seen from people in her environment she'd heard so much about people whose parents couldn't stand to be in the same room with one another she heard people say that their that their divorced parents couldn't sit at the same table 
And she just didn't want that for her own kids. And she actually does admit in this article that, you know, she didn't come up with that phrase. It was a phrase that people were using a lot in the 70s and that she kind of tapped into it for the way that she and Chris would approach their divorce. And so I, I think that's a really, really good, you know, what we hope is that when people hear these kind of things, read about these kind of things, that lesson that we are seeing from celebrities that we all look up to so much in our culture trickles down to normal people as well. Another celebrity who espoused, excuse the pun, this way of looking at at their divorce, her divorce, is joining us next. Anna Ferris is our guest today on the Divorce Sucks podcast, and thank you for listening to the Sunny Side Up Report. The most common misconception about divorce is that it's an end or a failure. Conversely, divorce can be the turning of a page, the beginning of a next chapter. My goal with the online divorce service, It's Over Easy, that we launched last year, this podcast and the new book I'm writing now on the subject is to change the way we look at divorce. In this culture and in others, in order for people to approach it with a more open mind, which leads to positive new beginnings. We all agree that the road to dissolving a marriage is at the very least fraught with emotions. But once you're through it, you should congratulate yourself. You deserve it. You've gone through a life-changing process in less time than your parents did a generation ago, and you've survived it and learned something from it. If you have children, co-parenting with the person you divorced is now your reality. On today's Divorce Sucks, we're talking about some of the ways to successfully navigate the evolution of the way your family functions after a divorce. And joining us today is someone who is famously in progress on this evolution. She's the award winner whom The New Yorker describes as Hollywood's most original comic actress and whom NPR dubbed a modern-day Lucille Ball. She's a producer, a top-rated podcaster, and a best-selling author. She's a mom and the star of Mom. Anna Ferris, welcome to Divorce Sex. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Isn't that nice? Oh, I feel like that was very nice. Yeah. And John, that was Johnny an amazing the, read, by the way. Johnny the fanboy, he just, yeah. He I love you, Johnny. Yeah. I love Jeff back there as well. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> um, but wait, okay, so wait, I, I'm just curious about what award you think I've won. I don't because know, I, Johnny. I, I, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you the award that I've won. Okay. A Stony Award from High Times Magazine. Well, that's that is an important. Yeah, I am, Jeff is it's giving a bomb. me the okay. Yes, that's and a good. And I'm so proud. It was for Smiley Face, where my character stoned the whole time. It was like one of the most joyous experiences of my life. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but but uh, but pretty much that's it. I think I also won like the uh, Bahamas Film Festival. Oh, that like, must have been what Johnny was pulling star. <laughs> you know, so I, I get to bring those into work. When Allison Janney brings, brings in, in her Oscar, Oscar and her and Golden Globe. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. We, we yeah. all have genres, yeah. okay? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a divorce lawyer. Yeah. There is no judgment. I want to give you an award. You like There should be like a divorce attorney award. The crotchy. <laughs> <laughs> the dicky. I don't know. What could you make it? For? We'll think of one and we can, can have Can I awards. tell you about the first time I met you? Okay. Wait, I know. I'm sorry. No. I'm doing that podcasty dominating That's okay. thing. That's okay. That's so f- annoying. I'm but sorry. The alpha, the alpha pod. Go ahead. Tell me because I, I, if it's about me, I'm happy to listen to it. <laughs> the first time I met you was when – so uh, during my, my first marriage, I always like imagine – I hope that your listeners are imagining me like smoking a cigarette and drinking a martini being like a double divorcee like <laughs> as though these are like these wonderful milestones in life, which they kind of are. We'll get to that later maybe listen to me <laughs> taking over uh so i came into your office to meet with you about divorcing my first husband and you 
immediately offered me a box of tissues. First of all, you're stunning. So I hope that you're picturing me, listeners, with like a martini and actually (laughs) looking better than I do. Also, I'm all in fantasy. And you have this amazing (laughs) office and you basically took me like pro bono. Well, we can talk about that later, maybe. <laughs> but I definitely wasn't uh, like I. I knew that you repped a lot of um, you know well-to-do people. Um, and so didn't we have a good time? Well, all yes. things considered, all things considered. But but you said do you you said here's some tissue. Do you need? Do you want? And you like offered me a box of. Kleenex or whatever. I'm sure Kleenex is one of your sponsors. <laughs> I should be. <laughs> hey, Kleenex. Johnny, when, when you, you get go on through that? a divorce, <laughs> <laughs> all you need is a good tissue. <laughs> we actually just got a sponsor who has a product that, um, or not a sponsor, but somebody that um, works with us in RevShare that has a product called Quora, which you drink so that you don't get a UTI. Which I think is great because oh. if you're after you're getting divorced, oh, yeah, and you're, you're out all over your the place. Grudge, yeah. you got to yeah, make yeah, sure yeah. you don't get a UTI. You oh, can't be yeah. like you know oh. benched for the week. No. All right, we, let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I remember being. I, I thought it was so sweet that you offered me a, a box of tissue, but I was at such a place of like, no. <laughs> No, I'm not crying. I'm like, how just how quickly do we get this shit done? I don't know. I mean, and because I think that when the process of divorce happens, it's almost like this sounds like a stupid. It is a stupid way to put it, but there's like that seed that's somewhere in the back of your brain, like making any major decision, essentially, like whether it's moving to LA or studying abroad or whatever you don't quite there isn't that flash moment right it's like something that is you don't even realize is ruminating and it slowly kind of takes root and slowly kind of grows and then there is that one day where you're like oh i have to do this i have to i have to do this i have to have the strength or i I have to make this change and and i and i think that there's you know, I, when I first got married, I um, I had like, like most women, I think. I don't mean to be gender specific. Maybe most people do, but uh, there, there's that checklist of a comp. You know, it's like okay, did this, got get that, a job, right? Got married, you know, whatever, and bought a house, get a have a kid, won a stony, yep, won a stony. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best one of all. <laughs> But um, so I think that there's that youthful um, fantasy. Yeah. And and I my brother and I, he's been divorced as well twice. My parents have this amazing marriage. So you would think that the odds would be in our favor of like, you know, we came from. But we've talked at length about this. And our working theory is that we tried to make. a, a bad thing work because we saw our parents work it was so well and so trying to um, conform to sort of that idea and be like yeah we, yeah yeah we got this we got this we can make this work and I also think the ceremony of weddings puts a, a, a so much pressure on a couple when you make this very public declaration um 
and you spend whatever a year planning it and that's all you're focused on and then it's over and it's like December 26th that feeling of like oh well well I don't know what do we do now and and then the embarrassment of divorce or the feeling of failure or the feeling mm-hmm. of fear again mm-hmm. you you have been financially independent for a while so I don't think there was the same fear as much as maybe the humiliation or the f- failure or whatever also, some financial insecurity had, what am I going to have to pay? What am I going to have to do? But, you know, so many people go into this, women particularly, I will be gender specific going, how the f*** am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay for right, my kids? Right. Maybe I'll try to make it work a little bit longer in addition to who's going to be my date for New Year's? Who am I right, going to kiss right, when the ball drops? Right, right. And especially, you know, in Los Angeles, like, the, you know, the feeling of like the aesthetic pressure and – but um, but – but Laura, do you believe in the idea of marriage? Like, what do you think? I do. I believe in the idea of marriage. I believe in the idea of commitment. I don't know that marriage or commitments in that in the same form need to work forever. For example, as you know, I have a very committed, loving, familial relationship with both. You only know one of them of the fathers of my sons. There was a period of time for me with each of them where we lived together, we were intimate, we were family, we slept together in the same bed, we had babies together. Then that intimacy romance ended in each of those. But we still have, I mean, I talked to David probably once or twice a day on the phone about Luke things. And then also just about like, we're, we just like kind of shoot the shit sometimes. But wait, do you, but, but do you believe in the idea of marriage or partnership? I believe in the idea of partnership. Marriage for me ha- is a little bit more complicated because when you say marriage in my world, get married and then deviate from what the laws are if you're going to do it. And if it's not working, then you move on. So it's easier for me to move in and out, whatever, as long as you're maintaining the relationship, the friendship. I don't have anything wrong with marriage. I I love weddings. I think they're beautiful and wonderful. You do? But everybody needs... I wouldn't want to have another one. But don't you like going to weddings? No. Oh, it's such a good... It's such a good reason to get dressed up. And you you can take your drink up in the bathroom. And then you go and you get a little bit sloshed. No. 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 The only fun thing is like when... And somebody's creepy uncle. Yeah, is like I'm usually dancing. the creepy uncle. Oh my god, that was my divorce lawyer. She just fell into the cake. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 as you know, of course, like with my first marriage, we went to Beverly Hills Courthouse, and yes. I think the judge, in my memory, I can't remember exactly how accurate this is, but in my memory. I thought I heard her say this is going to last like a year or whatever. No, yeah, like, really? Yeah, That's not uh, very we, professional. But, <laughs> well, but she clearly saw like right. we're a bunch of f-ing yahoos that were like had a bunch of margaritas and it's how like, long yeah. did it last? Uh, that ma- two and a half years. Okay, but we were together for ten years. Okay, so you were the childhood sweethearts. Kind of grew up together. Yes, but the first time he asked me to marry him, I was just I was just unsure. You know, and and then when he asked me again, like maybe a year later, um, I said yes. And because it it did feel, feel like I felt like, yes, I'm in love with you. And but I was in my 20s and you're like and I'm focused on my acting career. And it felt like. Is this something that I should be doing? Right, because it's the next box to right. check. I mean, and we've been together this for this period exactly. of long time, so now we should be getting married. Right, there. right. And I don't want to date. I don't even know right. how to date, um, which is still very true to this day at 42. You're a serial monogamist. 
I am. You are. I like security. That's I like, okay. I like the security. But um, so I, th- I think there was – so anyway, I was getting to the point of like the, the idea that it's so easy to schedule an appointment at Beverly Hills Courthouse and, you know, whatever. Have your friends and then go get whatever, like – Wasted at El Coyote, which is exactly what we did, and then we got kicked out. Um, but <laughs> that's yeah. an auspicious wedding wedding I reception. Still hold a grudge, <laughs> <laughs> but but the divorce untangling, um, as you know, also it's, it takes you know a year or whatever, and, and so the legality, like the confusion of the simplicity of the act of. Of getting married, which you know, mentally you understand. Okay, I'm, I'm making a commitment in front of people I love to be with this person for the rest of my life that I love, and then and then it's like and, you sign a paper. But, and did you realize at the time, even before you started drinking that day, did you realize at the time that everything you earned from that day on was going to be half his? That you might no. pay him spousal support oh, if. No. Up. If you had had a child with that first oh, husband, you'd I have did to share take a custody. lot of birth control. <laughs> a lot. I'm going to double up today on the monastrin. Okay, but the thing is, you—that's no, what—that's exactly. my issue. It's so easy to get married. Yeah, and and everybody says to me, "Oh God, you know, we plan these weddings for a year and da da da." da. But it's so—you're e- making it too easy to get divorced with this over easy. It's too easy. Ain't never going to be easy to get divorced, okay? Right. Even if I make it easier online with the forms and then education and all that, I just don't want it to be the scam where divorce lawyers are charging all this money per hour and letters are getting written back and forth about, you know, about the right. pair of sunglasses or whatever. That makes no sense. So to me, I do I want do the want divorce. I do want those sunglasses. <laughs> I'm going to put them in the agreement that they're yours. But, but, but if it's that easy to get married and people aren't even looking into what the contract is, that for me is an issue. I, I completely agree. And I, and I understand that the, you know, that some of like the community property laws were set up. And of course, you know a shit ton more about this than I do. Almost but, not. You're almost catching up to me. Congratulations. <laughs> but but they, they were implemented to protect women at a time when women didn't make, um, you know, they, most, a lot of women were, you know. Stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home homemakers. Moms. I was about to say where women didn't make as much money, but we still don't. So anyway, right. but we'll we'll get to that yes. female angle yes. later. Yes. Hour three, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just angry in general, but um, <laughs> so there hasn't been the sh- the reflective shift right. in the ease of getting married. I mean, I'm an ordained minister. Me too. That's always that's the supremest form of irony when Laura Wasser's doing your marriage ceremony. <laughs> I did Johnny's. You did? I've only I've done like four, but I've only done same sex. Johnny, how did you feel about a divorce attorney marrying you? Well, seeing as it was in her backyard, um, did she get the prenup going for you? I know, well, I, she's since taught me how to have those unsexy conversations without yeah. needing the prenup. But the unsexy conversation is the thing. To have. I think what he's trying to say is that they don't have any money, so it's okay. well, or that, <laughs> or you don't need it. Hey, wait! But what about the deodorant? <laughs> <laughs> we get that for free. <laughs> Well, free free deodorant. When they're giving you free deodorant, you know you're, you've made it. Right now, at the Home Depot, you can save up to 35% on appliance special buys, like a large-capacity Whirlpool washer-dryer pair for just $4.98 each, regularly $7.49 each, with adaptive wash technology to keep clothes fresher, and a price that won't even wrinkle your budget. 
today's the day for doing and saving on appliances now at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. U.S. only while supplies last. Gas dryer extra. See store for details. Valid through October 16th. Alexa isn't the only one with breaking news. Make sure to hang around at the end of this podcast for the latest breaking headlines on the AP News Minute. If you like my show, you're going to love the Lady Gang Network's Mama Said with Jamie Lynn Siegler and Jenna Paris on Podcast One. The mommy duo is dropping in to give some motherly advice to the Hills' Spencer Pratt and Heidi Montag on Make Spidey Famous Again. Check out Make Spidey Famous Again on Monday and download new episodes of Mama Said with Jamie Lynn Siegler and Jenna Paris every week on Podcast One. I'm Laura Wasser, and I'm here speaking with Anna Ferris on the Divorce Sucks podcast. All right, so wait, let's go back to before that for a second, because I know people, a lot of people are tuning in because they want to hear about Anna Ferris, and you don't on your podcast talk about, like, background. Tell me, okay, you yeah. were born... I was born in Baltimore, Maryland, and 1976. Then, and then mo- this is going to be boring. Okay, just I, but I'm getting to something. Then okay. you moved. When I want to know what yeah. I want to know is okay. when you started taking an interest in acting and talking to your retainer. Oh, yeah. oh, you like the retainer? I like the retainer story. Yeah, where did you find that one? Johnny, Johnny did, yeah. of course. Johnny with a stony. <laughs> You're like an award-winning actress. Like, Johnny, dig a little deeper next time, yeah. would you? <laughs> I mean, listen, I love being described right. as a, an award-winning actress. Um, no, yeah, so I, uh, so we moved to Seattle, which is where both of my parents are from, uh, when I was six. And, uh, I don't know, my parents enrolled me in a, in a bunch of classes, like, whatever, to keep, you know, so my mom can watch Golden Girls or whatever. <laughs> God, that sounded really sexist of me. I was actually the one who was watching Golden Girls. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, but one of them was an acting class and I just, I, I, it was the only thing I looked forward to. And, and then in this one particular teacher was like, hey, she should audition for this play in Seattle. And Seattle has a pretty healthy theater scene, you know, snobby, those snobby Northwesterners yes. and you know how snobby they are they will take this as a compliment yep so f- you Seattleites <laughs> you know I love you but you know also okay so you were in a <laughs> yeah so I did a bunch of I did I did public I did like a, a theater in, right. in Seattle okay um and uh and then but I was not a cute kid I wore headgear uh, I didn't have that many friends, and I always do, I don't like it when actors describe themselves as like oh, I'm such a nerd, uh, because it doesn't feel fully truthful. It, it feels simplistic, but I, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wore a Christmas tree skirt to high school as cute. a cape. No, nope, no, not even no. a little bit oh, cute. God, no, okay. oh. nothing, nothing cute about it. I, I always had this theory that my parents like had me. In headgear to keep me a virgin as long as possible. Like like Joan Cusack in uh, Sixteen Candles. Do you remember that? Where she wore the headgear and she's trying to... <laughs> she was with Long Duck Dong. You might be too young. Okay. Mm-mm. Okay. Not too young. I just don't remember. Okay. But I have seen the movie. Okay. But I just don't remember that part. Yeah. I'll revisit it. What's happening, hot stuff? But, you know, that's also because I'm losing my memory because <laughs> I'm too old. <laughs> but well, anyway, so, yeah. I, I So then I... I um, so was it the retainer or the headgear you were having the dialogue with? Oh, it was with? the whole thing. It was the whole oh, thing? No, no, oh, no, no. No, the headgear... The headgear was resentment. The retainer okay. was like... Love. <laughs> yeah. And the retainer was, was good at math. Oh. And we went on talk shows together. Phil Donahue. And you and your retainer? 
Yeah. Did you take it out? Yeah, I would uh, stand or sit in front of the mirror and uh, and do the like my my talk show and like yeah, I I have the world's only talking retainer. Was it, it was, a one piece or a two piece? Was it a top it was and a, a bottom? One, it was a one just piece, the, just the top. Clear. Okay, yeah. And, you know, weirdly expensive. Like, yes. you know, parents are always terrified that you're going to throw it out. Right. If you lose it. Yeah. You know, okay, so Jack's not old enough yet, but my son Luke has the retainer. And now they do, like, rainbow colors. Like, now it's not just that weird either clear or pink. Now it's all the colors of the rainbow are, can, be, can live on the roof of your mouth. Well, yeah. listen, I, I, I don't even know if I – I love rainbows. <laughs> I don't know if I would have had the courage – I just imagined that my retainer was like Kit, right? Um, the car, yeah, yeah. From like just like just <laughs> smarter than I was, and I and I was lucky enough. Night Rider, Night Rider, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Night Rider. <laughs> I'm yeah. like five steps behind. Yeah, really, really good at math. It was also, I think, at the at the same time, I was like put in like the slower math class. It's probably because of the Christmas tree cape dress. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Because of lots of things, Laura. <laughs> was your brother older or younger? Older. Older. Okay. How yeah. many years older? Three. And where does he live now? That's a, these are good questions because I know I, I, he lives – he's a professor. He's the – that I know of, he's the world's only fourth-generation sociologist. Oh, wow. My father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather were all sociologists and a bunch of other family members are in like the academia world. And uh, So you had to bust out. You and Kit, the retainer. I just wanted to make faces and so, say words. When did you come here to California? 1999. I decided, I went to University of Washington um, for a boy. Yes, and you got a BA in English, Johnny tells us. English okay, lit? I'm, I'm, that's the thing that you pull? You don't want to explore why the I boy? went to a college for a boy? to be clear that, okay, so, well, you were already in Washington. Okay, so you went to oh, UWA, oh. okay, for a boy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I went to yeah, I went to University of Washington for a boy that I loved. He gave me a promise ring, Laura. A promise ring. What year was this? This was 1994. I didn't even know they had promise rings in 1994. Yeah. I was getting divorced in 1994. <laughs> That's how much my promise ring meant. I, mean, I, I didn't. <laughs> yes, it's a little known fact. You have to come on the podcast to find out that I actually Shit. was once Dude, married. You told me once, like, you were like, never got married, never got married. No, and I definitely. And I, for I, some reason, I interpreted that at some cocktail party as, as, as like, I never, never did. Yeah. I did for 14 months. I needed a lot of kitchenware, and I got it, and I kept it. You did? And I still have some of it. Yeah. Did you write all the thank you notes? I did. What the f*** is up with that shit, man? Yeah. Why the f*** do women have to always write the Well, Alvaro Hernandez from wrote? Spain was not going to write the thing. Yeah, by, by the way, who? I wrote Johnny's too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what woman wrote your thank you notes? I wrote them. Okay. Yeah. Johnny's the woman that wrote the thank you notes. Emily Post is the uh, lady, I think, who came up with that, right? No, but she's saying the the chick has to write the notes. Yeah, the oh, guys gotcha. out yeah, yeah. there not writing notes. Yes. Here are right. – we, we have the short – we drew the short Stick. gender straw in no numerous writing. ways. Yes, for sure. For sure thank you notes. Yeah. Uh, any kind of party planning. Um, also, well, other whatever biological things. I was going to say – where where are going to hit where do periods come in on the list under party planning <laughs> but but like the, those kinds of social responsibilities where but are you raising jack to have those like my kids have to write thank you notes they're both boys they write the thank you notes i do not write them for them they write them uh-huh i'm i'm not i'm not laura or are we doing away with thank you notes 
I just want to be isolated. <laughs> and I feel like a, uh, Jack I, has to write his thank you notes. You'll see when he has his bar mitzvah. <laughs> Lord, do you know this last, the last divorce? Yeah, <laughs> like you were like you were impossible to get a hold of. Yeah, yeah, I'm really bad at that shit. Well, and also, I, only you would only respond to me. So I had my partner, my associate, my secretary, and they're like, she won't. Michael was like, I'm I don't know what to do. Hottie. I, yeah, they were all hot. I only have hot people. Oh, yeah. Anyway, but then you, you were in Italy for a while. Okay. Yeah, so you come out here. Yeah, do you want to talk about the boy in the promise ring or do you want to? Oh, no, no. Okay. Yeah, no, no. But he, anyway, he broke up with me. Uh, he joined a fraternity like two weeks in. Oh. Uh, I got, yeah, ghosted, I guess is now what you would, anyway, would show up at his fraternity and be like, why are you like me? Oh. Anyway. Did you go in a sorority? Because then we can do talk about House Bunny. I, I didn't. I didn't either. No. No. I had a big, um, I, 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 I was very, I was very angry. Oh, so I thought. When did that stop? <laughs> My only friend was a talking retainer. Right, Laura. I know, I understand. That's <laughs> okay. So you're angry, so yeah. you didn't get into so the Greek scene. I, 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 I thought it was like, uh, you know what it was. I now I can look back. Like I had all kinds of defense mechanisms about why I didn't want, like why I was against the Greek system, and I did some really. Shit, like I would go to fraternity parties and pretend to be 15 um, and see if these guys would like try to f me. How'd that work out? It, it, yeah, uh, it, it proved me right. Oh. It was like, yeah, all okay. right, yeah, guys are dicks. Um, sorry, but I don't, okay. I, I love men. Not Johnny. Johnny's. Yeah. I, or Jeff. Yeah. No, no, no. But but I do love men. It's just at the time I didn't know. It was it was like when I when I got to college, it was like the first time that I felt attractive, I guess. Okay. And so I, I, I felt like I was starting to get a, like a little bit of, of male attention. And um, and it and I had no I did not have the capability to like I didn't have it spun me out. Right. Like I was addicted to it. And hated it at the same time like it was it was a very it was a complicated feeling i think that happens to a lot of girls right? probably younger though they, yeah, yeah that you were having it when you actually had total freedom because you yeah. were in college yeah. so that when can be i finally scary. got a, a couple of nipples right <laughs> <laughs> they've grown since then tremendously <laughs> you and your double d's in here with your cigarette and your martini okay uh, so take me back so, so oh, but again i can see some of this in some of the roles that you played too well this so, kind of push and pull of attractiveness but angry but crazy but do you love me but do you hate me but how, who am i i think that most it's interesting to me when people think that actors are also good liars because to me at least i think i'm a terrible liar and i also uh because i, I think that there's like um i like this sounds so lofty but the idea that there's a degree of empathy like you you want to experience what like sincerity of character so even when you're playing i don't know like i love playing crazy people like when like um and samantha james yeah. and just friends because because i love exploring the rationale of right. how she justifies her actions and or even like the cindy campbell which was weirdly difficult it's so difficult to play a one note character i don't even think she had a note but <laughs> she um, half a note. 
But the, I had but, a prop. But but oh my god, supposed to being frame Samantha, at a certain point. Samantha James, though. Okay, Samantha James, Just Friends, one of the greatest movies ever, written and directed so by our sweet. friend Roger Cumbell. I love and, and Roger. Your, your part in that, like the part where they walk into the bar in New Jersey, and she's like, "People are looking at me. People are looking at me." It's so LA, it's, and you're like, nobody's looking at you. It, it was, it was so she was so good. You were such an amalgamation oh, of thanks. so many of our favorite clients <laughs> oh. and people. I mean, really, it just and I, I know you loved playing that part. You had an amazing that was an amazing cast in that part, but also like hearkening back to what that movie was about, which was love hate relationships how you're supposed to be are you supposed to act like a douche to attract more women or are you supposed to be a pussy and not get them and that whole the whole ryan whatever his character's name was ryan reynolds played so well chris chris (laughs) (laughs) can you give us a a few bars of forgiveness listen i well i watch i watch just friends every night (laughs) as you said jeff is cheering in the booth Get off my ambient addiction. <laughs> Sing a couple bars of forgiveness. Forgiveness is more than saying sorry. Use your guitar. So now you come to LA. Was Scary Movie the big break? Was that your first big yeah, break? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I, uh, I I I decided to give up acting in college because I thought uh, there's no way I could make it. It was a foolish dream, and I wanted to make. I did like I, I was driven. My mom always was. My mom is a, is a really strong woman, and she was always like, never depend on a man for money. And so when I started to realize that um, acting was probably not going to work for me, it was impractical, especially. I, I just, it, it, I you know, I was I was like doing, I was doing uh, what do you call them? industrials, right? Like for. You know, I did this Red Robin industrial where I say, it's a training video, and I'm, I say, here at Red Robin, we always give good phone. Oh. Yeah. That would be enough to make me give it up, too. Yeah. Okay, so. And then I did a nurse, like, <clears throat> training video where I was a patient who was just diagnosed with cancer, and it's probably the most dramatic role I've ever had. <laughs> Wait, you played the patient or the nurse? I was the patient. You were the cancer person? Yeah, I was like, you know, 19, and and I looked like I was 15, but not in a cute way. Right. In like the headgear way. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what? So who got you? Who got you the scary movie gig? So I um, so I decided to give up acting, and I was like, I'm going to go into marketing. And maybe one day I will write a short story that somebody may read. Like I wanted to write, and um, so, but it, but I was still I had an agent in Seattle who was getting me the industrial work, right? And I got this movie right before I was about to graduate, fifth year student, by the way. Mm-hmm. My parents love that. You know, it's that food card, right? Anyway, whatever, yeah. Meal card, meal yeah, plan, meal, yeah. I was five years too. You were, yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I took that as a compliment. Because <laughs> I'm right here with you, babe. <laughs> Did you have five? Di- I have five different majors. No, I didn't. I was always a rhetoric You're... major. Oh, mm. a, a rhetoric? A rhetoric. There was only a couple schools in the country that had rhetoric yeah, what majors. What the f- is that? Cal, Berkeley, UC Berkeley has a rhetoric major. What, what, what does that even, I don't it's understand. kind of like the art of arguing about shit, uh, yeah. I guess. But it you feels got to like take... a very gentle way 
to put that. Yeah, well, yeah but you got to take, like you, you were a debate such, major. Kind of, but then you took classes. A bitch major. Yeah, that was good. I already had that. That was like, but you got to take but classes of the rhetoric? rhetoric, the rhetoric of avant-garde poetry. Oh my God. The rhetoric of Preston oh, Sturgis Jesus. romantic comedy. Oh. The rhetoric of art, of art and architecture. Laura. It was awesome. It sounds awesome. It was really but good. But how do you say that on a first date? I was I was I was dating somebody that was also a rhetoric major. His name was Bobby Seal, but he was white. He's from Oxnard. <laughs> I, okay, I don't know why you, you, have, you I don't know why you qualified that with the because Bobby Seal was the, one of the leaders of the Black Panthers. Oh, I, did, I yeah. didn't know that. I guess I am too young. <laughs> Norm Jack, they're nodding his head. Right? <laughs> well, maybe I'm just too white. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. Back to you. All right, so. You had you had your industrial agent, but then and you had given all but given up on yeah, acting. And, but it, but I got this at, like it was spring. I, I had I had my uncle had given me a plane ticket to London uh, as a graduation present because I had a job lined up and just an internship at this ad agency um, in London. One of my dear friends was living there. She was going to art school. I was going to live with her. I had I had like. I, I had no money, but I had parents who had a. They, it was a modest upbringing, but, but whatever. It's not. I don't mean to be like. Oh, you weren't dumpster diving for food. But you know, okay. my my plane ticket was probably you know forty six e. <laughs> right, right next to the bathroom. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do they have forty six rows on a plane? Hey, okay. Laura. Okay. What? Uh, I don't. Oh see my god. Don't. <laughs> Rhetoric, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me let me correct that. It's okay. true. It was 1994, <laughs> so it probably was 28F. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> and we probably had to stop in Milwaukee <laughs> to refuel. <laughs> anyway, On the way to London. <laughs> okay. So I didn't go. I didn't go to London because because I got cast in this atrocious horror movie. And I'm worried that every time I describe it dramatically, that people might go watch it somehow. Come on. Anyway, um, I was a local hire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played a cheerleader that never took off her costume. Mm-hmm. Ever. Yeah. But... I knew some of those. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a cheerleader. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Why would I not so, wear this? Yeah, my name is Janelle. Right. And oh. I was new in town. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and I got gutted. And it looks like I'm having a weird death orgasm. Oh, and uh, so but happy. but wait wait Jeff, wait, I have to tell you though. Here's my bragging point. I think I was like the fourth person to die. Oh. which for a local hire who had to change in the porta potty is huge. That's, well, I mean, not that I had to change that much. I was wearing that cheerleading outfit. No, not that you changed, but that you were the fourth to die. Uh, yeah, not like yeah. up front. That's right. It's done. That's right. Did you get your sad Did card? Did I show my that? tits? No. Did you? Your nipples? Um, they actually had a clause. They wanted me to show my tits. Um, and I, I weirdly had enough Seattle pride to say no. But then I think that there was some kind of clause where they could put in somebody else's tits for foreign distribution. Did you get tit approval? Because that would be something that I you might. Know, I don't know be. how the foreign distribution okay. works. So, 
Um, like, were they Chinese tits? I don't understand. I don't know. Okay. But I don't know. All right. Why don't, why don't you look Can up, we, a, what's look it up called? the foreign version of Lover's Lane? <laughs> Lover's Lane. Yes. Okay, Johnny. Okay. Yeah. Right. But I, anyway, I get gutted. Uh, I have a death orgasm. Um, I like to think that Janelle um, went out with some kind of joy. I did not realize that it looked like I was having a death orgasm. Right. Um, you know, a death scene is tricky. As you can tell, my conversation with Anna Ferris was so much fun. Too much fun to pack into one episode, so we're going to stop here and pick it up next week. Get a floor that's 100% waterproof for life without sacrificing the style you want. The Home Depot has Pergo Outlast Plus laminate starting at just $279 a square foot. With 22 designer colors, Pergo Outlast Plus can fit any style in any room beautifully. And you can rest easy because it's waterproof. Get Pergo Outlast Plus starting at just $279 a square foot at the number one Pergo waterproof laminate flooring retailer. The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. U.S. only see warranty for details.